Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I just wanted to jump back before your most recent fight and that short notice that you've taken. What, how does that phone call go? The most simple thing, right? My manager would text me, say, hey, Nath. Here's from Sean. Hey, Shelley. Nathaniel Wood versus Mohammed name of Abu Dhabi. This date, thumbs up, thumbs up. Like, are you interested? And literally it'll be, yeah, cool, send the contracts over. That simple. Especially with me, I guess I'm a small fish in a, big, in a very big pond. There's no sort of, oh, you know, what about this? What about? There's no real negotiations, you know. I can ask for a fight and say, hey, guys, you know, I know you're coming to London at this point. Can we get a fight? Yeah, cool, let me see what I can do. Or it'll be, they'll say, do you want to make this date? And I say yes or no. With something like that as well, when you get a text from Sean Shelby and he goes, do you want to take this fight? It's on five weeks notice against a guy. It's his home crowd. Yeah. He's got obviously got his own win streak going on. Do you at any point look at a text like that and go, why would they do that? Do they want me to lose this fight? Or is it literally just a case of they need a fight? Like, what's the motive here? Why haven't they told me this three, four yeah. months ago? I did. Like, there was part of me that straight away thought, they want me to lose? Why don't they want me that? That doesn't make sense. But then I think maybe no one's fighting him. Maybe they've offered him already three opponents and they've said no. I've had fights before. I got offered three names. I accepted every one. And then when we chased up to say, is this good? They went, no, nah, so-and-so's not fighting. I think he was meant to be on the card from the get-go. I reckon he got offered a few names and people were like, nah, you know, or five weeks notice, nah, I'm all right. It might not be the best thing, but they know that I would just fight anyone. Do you feel like that gives you like brownie points with the UFC? So like sometimes you will? No. Because obviously this isn't an ideal situation for you, yeah. but if you take this non-ideal situation, is there a thought that they'll set me up with something nicer along the line? I don't know. It's a tricky one. You know, there is a lot of time where, because even I don't have much dealings with the UFC, you know, I just leave my manager to it and sort of as, a, as the middleman. I don't want to get too involved and take things too personally, you know, because at the end of the day, it's business. Of course, I'm sitting there thinking, I want a top 15. I want a top 10. I want to I want to play this smart and get to the belt. And then when I'm offered a name, I'm like, yeah, I'll fight him. You know, can I make weight? Yes. Does the date work with me? Yes. Cool. I get paid. Obviously, the plan was to beat him. And then I'm thinking, right, then what? Do I get a top 15? Do I get top 10? If they offered me again an unranked opponent, I'm like, all right. When you talk to the UFC after a fight like that, where there are significant moments that you can point to in the fight and go, really? And this has cost me 
you know, my three fight win streak here. Do you ha- then have a discussion with the UFC and be like, well, what do you guys think? Where do we go from here? What did, what did you think of the fight? Did you think that I got screwed over there? How does that discourse go? Or do you literally just go home? Um, obviously, after the fight, I was a bit teary. But if I'm honest, it was more just because I just knew that I'm, I just let myself down kind of thing. Obviously, I've never had this situation where it's like we've put an appeal in to kind of say, look, Please review this. Yeah. Just have a look. And at the moment, they've said that the legal team are reviewing it still. So I feel like that's good in the sense where they're taking it seriously. You know, they haven't just gone, yeah, we looked at it and no, you know, they look like they're actually looking into it properly. There's a commission that oversee it because my manager texts the UFC. The UFC said, here are the details for the people that you need to talk to. They've messaged back just to say, look, we've had a little delay with obviously what's going on with John Jones. We are going to look into this and we will let you know. Yeah, and I think the good thing with the UFC as well is like going back to the rank thing is that you're only one fight away from, you know, going straight. Like with boxing, it's a little bit more political, I think. Yeah, so let's say tomorrow Eager pulls out because he's injured. They could just say, Nathaniel, do you want to fight Josh? Yeah, cool. And then boom, you beat Josh Emmett. You're now ranked top, top, yeah. top 10, top five. And you literally just lost to a guy that was like, has, you know, it's MMA is very kind of, I think the opportunities just come about with so many injuries and you know a lot of people don't take fights on short notice being at bantamweight you know i probably need 12 weeks notice 10 weeks max like to to make weight the ufc don't really give you that much notice i'm not a big you know i'm not conor mcgregor i'm not the champ and you know the plan is to get to that level but why are they going to be thinking 12 weeks ahead for me you know you do get it occasionally oh there's a london car coming up we'll put you on that it's in 14 weeks sweet you know, a lot of the opportunities come at eight weeks notice, 10 weeks notice, and I can't make weight. And if I do, it's a struggle. So I'm like, right, if I fight 145, I can have a life. You know, I can actually, I got married, got the missus pregnant, and then five <laughs> weeks out from, from, from the fight, they're like, do you want to come and fight and earn 60 and 60 if you win? It's like, fuck yeah. You know, why would I say no to that? I like fighting. You know, obviously this is my job now and it is a business, but... I love competing in mixed martial arts. You know, I enjoy it. I did it for free for many years. So I could, you could say, sorry, guys, I'm going to sit on the shelf and wait for a top 10. And then the UFC say, all right, cool. You're going to be not fighting until May next year. That's that's long. I don't want to do that. When it's all said and done, how much does your ambition lie in the fact that I need to achieve the title? I need to become a champion. I would be happy still without it because obviously to become UFC world champion is a big, task you know that's like saying i want to be number one in the world but i won't be happy if i'm two i do want to be world champion but my original dream was i just want to be an athlete full time mma was the only kind of sport at the age of 16 that you could kind of start and actually make a career out of you know football and boxing you need to start pretty early i'm doing that now so i am living the dream that i set out you know i'm not in a building site i'm not in an office so i get to compete travel the world and fight against the best in the world that's you know dream number one achieved My second one was I want to be a main event in London 02. So when before I ever had a fight, I watched uh, Jimmy Manoa. At the time, was my teammate. He headlined the card. Gustafsson, yeah. yeah. And I remember looking and saying to my dad, I need to do this. I want to be the main event. I've not done that yet, but I've been on the main card. Yeah. So I'm getting there. When I get that opportunity and, you know, hopefully get the win and my home crowd main event, then it's, okay, what next? So I've got all these small goals. And if I... Let's say, touch wood, I get an injury now, and that's it. Um, they say, like, Nath, you can't fight anymore. Your knee's mangled, whatever. I can sit and say, I've got a mortgage through this job. I've got a nice chunk of money. I had a 
nice wedding. You know, I've achieved, nice I've achieved for 10 years what I've wanted to do. I've done this full time for probably 10 years now, but I want more, but I would still be happy with what I've had. When people say about the UFC not paying people enough, it's like, of course, I would love to have more money. If the UFC say, no, if we're going to pay you 10 million a fight, well, you think I'm going to complain? No, I'm happy with what I'm getting, man. I'm getting like, my, my contract now is 60 and 60. So if I win a fight, I get 120 grand. If I have three of them a year, my money goes up after every win anyway. Yeah. You telling me I wouldn't be happy with 360 grand? And what does, what does your life look like at the moment? What is, compared to what it was prior to the UFC, what is the UFC and sort of that 1660 done for you? What does you, you know, you, you riding around in like sports cars? Are you, no, if anything, it's made it more stressful. Yeah. So <laughs> now that... I'm earning such a significant amount of money. Well, I think it's a hell of a lot of money anyway, compared to what I was earning on building sites. It's now made it more of a job, you know? So as much as I'm like, I just love fighting, you do have to be sensible. So even now I'm sitting there, should I took that fight on five weeks notice? Could I have done something different? You know, should I have had a different coach for this? Should I have done this? And you, you question yourself because now it's like, this isn't just about going in and having a scrap. This is, that loss cost me 60 grand. So now I'm a bit pissed. You know, I'm a bit like, oh shit, man. You know, I let my I let my wife down. If I had just, you know, chased him down that last couple of minutes a bit earlier, could I have finished him and then had 60 grand for my family? So it does make it a lot more stressful. If I wasn't in the UFC, I wouldn't be doing this full time anymore. I'd have had to get a job. I've got a family to look after. You know, I've got a baby on the way, so I can't be fighting on cage orders for 2,000 pound a fight three times a year, six grand, you know, that's just selfish on my part. So because it's such a unique position to be in where you have so much leads up to one date, like one 15 minute period where you have to just prepare as much as you can. And the income is resting on those 15 minutes. Pressure. And anything could happen. Yeah. You so know? when I say stressful, that's what it should be. It's more pressure now. Yeah. I was looking at is that win that fight and you're potentially three, four fights away from fighting for the belt becoming number one in the world yeah. like what an achievement now i've lost i'm like right you know what am i two steps back three steps back what's next but it's almost like i want the answers now who am i next fighting when am i next gonna fight and it's not the best job for your mental health yeah. there's a lot of hours in the day where you know let's say at the moment i train two hours in the morning two hours in the evening in the day i don't do anything else that's why i've started a lot of businesses because mentally i can't sit there and just play the playstation and i think that when i first kind of got diagnosed with my anxiety and stuff i believe what it was was at the time, I was training in North London, so it's an hour and a half journey there, and it's an hour and a half journey back. So in total, it was just over three hours once I get door to door. And Brad and all the teammates that I'd usually travelled with went to Saigon, which is in Vietnam, for about three weeks. So for three weeks, I was on the train every day for three hours. Now, at the time, I didn't know to take a book. I didn't put headphones in. I just sat on the train, right? And I think that's where I made up all these scenarios in my head, and I got very fucking unhealthy in my brain you know because three hours a day on the train when you're just sitting there and you're just going away with your thoughts and all your worries and insecurities and doubts come into your mind and next thing about two weeks later I'm suffering with anxiety and depression bad you know I had to go to the doctors eventually got diagnosed and now I'm still dealing with stuff like that now but I believe that was because I wasn't occupied you know if you go to the office from let's say you start at eight or nine and you go on till five and then you don't get home till six all day you're occupied. You've got your mind focused on something. Your worries are, right, I better get this job done, otherwise my boss is gonna tell me off. Whereas I don't have that. You know, I have a lot of things to worry about. So I think about what I'm gonna do after my career. You know, I think about if I have a headache, could it be this illness? Could it be that illness? Sometimes there's so many hours in the day, it can really mess with your head. It's not as easy as just going to the gym and just staying at the gym. You know, the, the gym's my 
my peace. That's where I meditate. You know, I go away and all I've got to focus on is training. And you get home and you're like, now what? It's weird. It's a weird job to have. I know Rich Franklin spoke about it in his TED talk, how I learned to, to be a loser. What's it like to go from all these lights go down on you, you get this big win, or you might take a loss, and then in a blink of an eye, you're back home, you're sat in your bedroom, you're by yourself. And what is that change like? How, how do you deal with that as, a, as an athlete at that stage? So with a win, the best thing for me, I don't want a club, I don't want any of this. I go home, and after the Charles Rosa fight, I, so I got the train back on my, with, my mom, uh, sorry, with my dad and my two cornermen. My missus was still at the venue watching the fights, having drinks. I got home. This was probably about 9 p.m. We had a KFC on the way back. I sat on my sofa with a cup of tea and I looked at my dog and went, we done it, boy. And that was the best feeling ever. That was the best after party I could have asked for. You know, I don't want anyone in my face, drunk. Yeah, you know, whatever. When you have a loss, it's weird. You go home. You sit down. Should I have done this? Fuck, I just lost 60 grand. Shit, I just done this. That, you know, so after that uh, Mohammed Namor fight, we went back and we put the UFC on to, to watch the fights. But now I'm in a dark place because I'm thinking of 101 different scenarios that could have happened. Yeah. And there's nothing to distract me from it. I think that's why the sport is so amazing and so brutal at the same time. Like, that's what won me over about the sport. The because the I've, yeah. yeah, it's like I've only been a fan for like four, five years at most. But it's like the, you have that one moment. And it's like, it's the ultimate eight mile yeah. uh, thing of like, you got to capture it. <laughs> yeah. You can't let it slip. <laughs> so the, the, the prime example I always look back on, and this is where, you know, you said the thrill and the agony, and this has worked in my favor, was the Josh Reed fight. There's a lot of times where the ref could have stopped that fight because he was just pummeling me. You know, things weren't looking good. I end up knocking him out in one fight and then going on to the UFC and now look how my life's changed. Whereas he... I don't really know what he's doing now, but he's not in the UFC. And, yeah. you know, he could be sitting there and thinking, man, if the ref just stepped in, yeah. if the ref just stepped in, I could have been in the UFC, I could have been doing this, and maybe I wouldn't be nowhere near as successful as I've been now. And I don't know, I'm back on regional shows and I've given up and gone, I'm just going to go and work on a building site now because it's only so long that you can try and, yeah, you can try on the regional scene. And so that's why sometimes I try, when I have these losses, I try and just say, but you've had the thrills as well. You know, you have the agonies, but be grateful for what you have got. And, you know, I do try and, when I went back to the Abu Dhabi room, I was like, you know, down in the dumps, teary, prime, whatever. And then I just thought, I'm healthy. My wife's still back at home. You know, I've got my daddy, I've got my teammates here. You know, I haven't broken my, I haven't got a win and come away with broken legs and arms and concussions. And, you know, I'm healthy. I'm ready to go again. How much does it help having someone like Brad, who's had a, a career with so many like amazing fights and moments, but also some some tough losses as well, like as a mentor in that? He must have some good advice for you. Yeah, he's a godsend, mate. You know, to have someone, to have a coach that has literally been there at the same weight that you were, you know, yeah. it's great. You know, and obviously after fights, I think a lot of uh, fighters, the, the coaches aren't necessarily there from, you know, they're a bit pissed off. Oh, if you won that fight, oh, I would have been cornering you for the UFC title, whatever. My cornerman, one's my dad, so he's obviously there yeah. for me. One's Brad, who's like my dad, you know, and then Ashley, who's my jiu-jitsu coach, yeah. who we're, we're very, very close as well. So, <laughs> you know, after the fight, none of them guys went, right, we're going down to the bar. Yeah. They're in my room with me. Yeah. I'm bollock naked on my bed just watching the fights, <laughs> just not knowing what to do with myself. Yeah. And they're there next to me eating pizza, 
it's there for me. Are know? they naked as well? Or is they... <laughs> well, after midnight, yes, but nah, nah, they weren't. So I was under the cover, you know, I just yeah. got into bed naked. I, was, I sleep naked, so I go in bed and then they're just on the other side and then we got loads of chairs in the room and they're just sitting there next to me. They know exactly where I'm at. You know, when I got into the cab, because straight after the fight, since COVID, they take you straight back to the venue. I'm crying my eyes out and they're like, Mate, let it out. You know, I'm trying not to cry and they're like, let it out. Yeah, they know exactly where I've been. Obviously, my dad's not competed in the UFC or anything, but he knows it's my, he's, I'm his son. You know, he's like, Nath, I don't want any of your money. I don't want anything from you. I just want the best for you. And, you know, Ashley and Brad as well, because I think they thought, I've had it before where Ashley's lost and he's crying his eyes out and I'm hard, I'm cuddling him. You know what I mean? And there are a lot of coaches out there which I haven't got their fighters' best interest at heart. You know, they're there to promote their gym, to promote their brand. And this is business. For me, my coaches don't care about any of that. You know, they're there for me and, you know, I'm lucky that I've got friends for life through mixed martial arts. As a as a fighter, are there any things behind the curtain that we as, as fans just don't see that would surprise us as fans? Everything. <laughs> you know, literally probably 98% of stuff people don't see. They don't see the hard training. They don't see the sessions where, let's say I'm fighting in two weeks' time and I go sparring and I don't do well. Now the doubt that's sitting in my head and the mental insecurities that fighters have, you know. So for you guys, you watch a fight. Okay, we got the UFC on on Saturday. That's it. For me, it's 12 weeks, 10 weeks, 8 weeks, whatever the fight camp is, of constantly thinking about one guy. I go home, I think about that man. I go to bed, I wake up, I think about that guy again. You know, then the fighter pulls out. Now my head's all over the place. They bring someone else. Now I'm training for him. You know, there's a lot of... It's not the physical bit of training that's hardest, the mental aspect. You know, now I'm fighting this guy. What do I need to do? Should I do this? Why didn't I have a good training session today? You know, why didn't I hit my usual PB on the treadmill? Is there a reason? And, you know, the mental side of things people just don't see. They don't see that when you get trolls message you, that maybe that might affect you. You know, luckily I don't actually get much of that because I just don't reply. I don't entertain it. But people like Paddy Pimlet, mate, I don't know how he does mentally with it, but... I'm sitting there thinking, man, I've seen comments before that people have done on Twitter, not even in his DMs. And I'm like, if you said that to me, I'd want to be finding you. I'd want to try and get your IP address and come and find you. When you do look at guys like Paddy Pimlet, when you do look at guys like Ian Gary and even like Conor McGregor himself, who have been so outspoken and kind of got the, the heat they've got. Do you look at that as a guy who has been, who is a UFC vet now with 10 fights and go, fuck it, should I just get out there and just curse and say some shit and hopefully this will drive my career a little bit more is that going to help me more than what i'm how yeah, i'm doing it now it's, it's gone from my head before can't do it yeah you know it's just not me i feel like you're selling your soul you know if you can do it naturally mm. mate good luck to you you know if you're let's say colby covington you know if he generally doesn't care what people think great i can't do it man if someone says to me i don't like you no why <laughs> like, let's sit down and have a chat you know yeah, if, yeah. A lot of people don't see that side of things. You know, they don't see the weight cuts. They don't see when you get up in the morning, you get on the scales, you're not hitting the weight target that you want and you're now depressed because of it. And so there's so much that people don't see. They just see the fight. Have you ever had temptations where you've had a fucking massive win? Uh, you go to a club, some guys lined you up with a bunch of cocaine or he go, Nath, take the watch. Yeah, yeah, or so. no. Have you never had shit like that? Where I you wish go, I had the watch. Yeah. And for tomorrow, I've got the Rolex in the buy. I was thinking, yeah. come on, where's everyone up for me? Um, no, and I think, I think, like, mate, I've not even had like, one of my friends, he gets all these girls messaging him all the time, like just random girls. And I'm like, I never get that. Like, am I ugly or something? But he says, no, I think it's because 
you have a wife. You, you <laughs> that that <laughs> yeah. no, but you're like I promote that. I yeah, put on my yeah, Instagram yeah. a picture of me, my wife, and my dog. Yeah. You know, I'm just like I'm just normal, and I don't think I entertain that, which is why I don't necessarily get loads of girls flooding through my DMs. I don't ever have guys saying to me, "Come to the nightclub and get a bit of cocaine," because I think they know he ain't that guy. You know, whereas I don't know what he's like, but maybe Sean O'Malley, who's a bit more out there with Logan Paul, them guys, they're like, "Yeah, let's do this." I don't, man. I go home and have a cup of tea and a pizza and yeah, after yeah, me fight, you know. Yeah. yeah, to me, that's just, I'm just being myself, you know. I've never been that guy that, I've never done cocaine. So why would I start now? Just going back to the question we talked about with people who do trash talk, mm -hmm. things like that. Do you think those people who make those kind of statements and say those kind of like crazy things, do you think that increases the, the mental insecurity that you talked about? Because now you're putting more pressure on yourself to perform? Or do you think the people who say those kind of things don't have that same kind of uh, worry. Yeah, I don't think they look into it. I would. If I said, Mohammed Namov, I'm going to knock him out in the first minute, 100%. I've just put a lot of pressure on myself. Yeah. Because now if I don't knock him out in the first minute, I'm like, oh, didn't do what you said you're going to do. So even, I don't know if when you've seen me do interviews, I'll always quote like, I believe that I'm going to knock him out in the first round. Because I'm already saying that if I don't, I didn't say I was going to, I said I believe that I'm going <laughs> to. Fair enough. Because I don't want to add that pressure to myself. Sure. You know, I could still win the fight in great fashion, but it's not that he didn't knock him out in the first oh, minute. Right. The guys like Paddy, Sean, O'Malley, McGregor, great business mind if you want to go down that route. You know, so let's say right now Paddy's earning a hell of a lot of money. He's now probably set up for life with the brand that he's built, which is himself. He's probably getting a lot of stick i imagine if you've got two and a half million followers yeah. i wouldn't want that i generally would think if you said to me now right now if you can have a couple of million followers on instagram you're going to make a couple of mil through fighting but lots of people are going to hate you and you're going to have to act can't do it so i don't know if any of these boys are acting maybe colby Covington's like that in real life you know good luck to him if that's what they generally are happy to do do it i'd rather go down the gsp route be myself be humble and hope that people like me and if they don't they don't, but I haven't sold my soul. You know, at the end of the day, I'm not a prostitute. I'm not going to sell myself to, to, you know, make money. But to completely change or become an actor, I'm not, you know, I'm not an actor. I can't act for shit. So uh, if you see me having back and forth with an opponent, like beef, if you like, it's real. I think McGregor said it to Khabib in the fight, didn't he? He said, like, it's just business. It's business I'm like, yeah. nah, man, it's, yeah. it's not. It's with the words far, that man. you say, if I have a fight with someone, building and on the build up he slags my wife off i'm gonna try and hit you i'm gonna try and hurt you if i can get older and if you turn around and say oh, it's just words it's just a joke <laughs> just, just, just for the fans yeah. nah you're saying stuff that's personal me you say what you want about me i'm gonna smash your face in whatever cool like that's that's the business i get that and that's why i get when he's fans of course they're gonna be booing me i get that if i walk down the road and some 40 year old bloke don't even know me and he's like boo and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. do you know what I mean yeah. it's, it's personal so I yeah. love the idea of that I think, <laughs> a, I think a lot of fighters uh, maybe are living in the bubble yeah yeah. and you've got to know so if, if two opponents have a little chat and say wait let's let's big each other up for this let's like you know let's have a bit back and forth alright cool you've just agreed to that sweet if you want to do that you do that but if someone comes in and just assumes that I'm happy for them to say what they want about me you shouldn't be you shouldn't be doing that. In regards to like the business, the 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 idea of like what selling a fight is, do you get stuck into that at all? Not really. Just let that be. I try to. I do yeah. try to get better because at the end of the day, I do want to entertain people, you know, and I believe that my fighting style is entertaining, but I also know that there's more to it. 
So I try and do more things. Like for example, what we're doing today, I know that potentially I might gain a few fans of it, a few followers, a few people that are going to tune into my fights now. I can't sell myself, you know, I can't act and be different, but I do get that you need to be out there. I, I don't actually want any fame at all. I hate fame. I, I don't like the thought of going down the street and people saying, all right, mate, and I don't know them. But I know that in this sport, you need it. You know, we're not like footballers who just get paid a set wage just to play the game. We get your money, but how many bums can you put on seats? And the more famous you are, the more bums on seats, the more money, so on. So it's bittersweet in that sense. But yeah, I know I do kind of try and look at more fighters and think, how did he do so well? I try to learn about them, but I try and do it over the fighters that I respect, like GSP, Anthony Joshua. He portrays a very nice bloke and a very smart and humble businessman. I want to conduct myself in a manner where people want their kids to watch me. How is your relationship with the UFC? Has it been smooth? Has it been rocky? Have you had periods where you're, I mean, you're obviously thankful for them, but have you had periods with them where you go, you're taking me for granted here, man? Yeah, so with the UFC, it's like, I know it's a business. So I, I try not to take anything too personal. Like me getting matched with Mohammed Namor, part of me is that, why are you matching me with him? Why aren't you matching me with a top 10, top 15 guy? You know, is there a reason? Like, and then you kind of just remind yourself, no, it's a business. You're just a small fish in a big pond. Don't even worry about it. Um, obviously, I'm very grateful to the UFC, the, the platform that I have. You know, a lot of people give them stick for the money. I'm very happy with the money that I get from them. And I'm very grateful that I'm able to create a nice life for me and my family via fighting on the UFC. You know, it scares the hell out of me that there is no kind of, you're injured, that's it. You ain't getting any money. You know, if your career's over tomorrow, the UFC can get rid of me at any point. You know, in my contract, yeah, I've got four fights, but they can still get rid of you. So that scares the hell out of me, which is why I've done my sort of businesses. You know, I started my clothing brand and, and a tutorial thing because I earn good money at the moment and I love it and I love the UFC, but I know that tomorrow they could just say, see ya, you know, off you go or I get injured. You know, I walk in front of a bus and break both my legs. You ain't fighting for three, four years. And then what, then what are you going to do? You know, so that stuff scares the hell out of me. But I think the UFC it is what it is. You know, it's a business. They, I wouldn't say they do me loads of favors, but then they don't give me really any hard time. And, you know, Dana White, when I had, um, meant to fight against Shalonian something, he was uh, the Ukrainian guy. So then he pulled out because of the Ukrainian war, he got stuck there and they brought in another guy and he pulled out the day before day of the wanes so i'm now without a fight and it's too late to get an opponent and in the contract i don't think the ufc have to pay me you know i think it's once you've made weight they then pay you right i see yeah so i'm being told like okay you might get a bit of compensation which might be like five grand something like that from people and i'm thinking five grand like that's no good i've been out for two years anyway i saw dana white at the wanes and said like you know dana i'm guy man i'm not fighting and you know i've been told there might be a little bit of compensation can you kind of confirm this for me and he said what are you on, mate? I said, 26 and 26. He went, I'll pay you everything. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy has just paid me about 50 grand that he didn't need to pay, which has just saved me a big chunk of like stress. You know, I think at the time I was literally down to my me, me last couple of quid in the bank and I'm thinking I might have to go and get a job. And the guys just said, you don't worry about it. It's not your fault. You didn't pull out. So they are very fair. And I think it's how you are, you know, we've, Brad, they were very fair. I remember he had a couple of fights where he lost and they gave him the win bonus. They said, you've done a good fight, mate. You know, and I think his retirement fight, he lost. But now nah, we're paying you the full thing. So they are very fair. But I think if you're a dick to them and you moan and, you know, you're going to be an arsehole and, you know, kick up a fuss about everything, I don't think they're going to do you any favours. But for me, I've only got good things to say about them. But 
I also know it's a business. And that's the thing, as an athlete who has been with them for a long period of time now, who, who's, who's done astronomically well in, in the UFC, but is there sort of any part of you that looks at the current state of how it operates where you do just kind of have this monopoly at the top? There's not really any other alternatives. What is it like to be a, someone within an industry where there is really realistically only one place to be to, to survive so it's definitely nerve-wracking because yeah. i'm thinking if the ufc cut me tomorrow i would probably retire because i want to be in the ufc i want to be ufc number one on a business level i'd obviously think right you know i need to earn some money what pfl paying what bellator paying what one fc paying you know there are these other promotions that are from what i'm being told paying people quite a lot of money which is nice to hear that's reassuring i would obviously still be gutted because i want to be in the ufc you know that is it's like, I don't know, if you're playing for Chelsea Football Club and then they say, right, we're going to send you off to, I don't know, someone, right. you, someone you've never <laughs> heard of, right? But that's all just on a business level. You know, if you take the money aside, I want to be in the UFC. I want to be against the best in the world. I don't actually want to have easy fights. I hate being the favourite, like, against Mohamed Namov. I want them to say, there's been a pullout tomorrow, you're fighting Josh Emmett. And I'd be like, let's go. You know, this is one of the top guys. Or Volkanovski's pulled out, you're now fighting someone for the interim title or something like that. I don't know. You know, for me, that's exciting. I want to do that regardless of the money. Um, but yeah, it is, it is stressful. It is a thing that, you know, definitely when your doubts sink in, you think, oh, you know, if the UFC cut me, what am I going to do? It's like, so you pride yourself being a UFC athlete. Is like, that's your, your, what your desk. But do people do that to you as well? What, what, what do you do? And you go, oh, I, I fight in mixed martial arts. And they go, oh, what is that UFC? Yeah, 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 yeah. All the time. And if they don't know the UFC, I say, do you know Conor McGregor? Yeah. And they go, yeah, yeah, I'll do what he does. So what, um, what do you do when you look at someone like Francis Ngannou, who's actively worked hard to get out of that contract and sign with the PFL? Because he was the champ and he's, uh, he's I guess he could be like, I've done it. So if, okay, right, so if someone said it. to me, I'm Bellator champ, I'd be like, it's not UFC though, is it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But if someone said to me, I was the UFC champ and now I'm fighting Bellator because they pay me more, let's just say. Like what Francis is doing, you know, he was the UFC champ. Cool. You've got my respect. But if someone says, oh yeah, I was always um, the Bellator champion of the world. You've never in the UFC though. As a fan of the sport, one of the things that I always think about when I watch these sort of big arena shows, the shift for the fighters themselves, when you've got the house lights up on the crowd, everyone's going wild, and then boom, house lights go down and the spotlight is on the cage. What's going through your mind? And, and specifically like physically as well, because I imagine a visual shift where you can see the crowd and then all of a sudden the, the blinders are off. The cage light is the only thing that stands. What is that like to experience where you go, right, here we go? It's the best way I can describe it. You spend an hour and a half queuing up for a ride at Fort Park. And let's just say you're petrified, right? So the whole time you're queuing up, you're thinking of all these different scenarios. What if the ride don't work properly and I fall off and it's like final destination? Do I want to do this? What am I doing? If someone said to you, right, do you want to jump off? You'd be saying, no, I'm here to do this ride. And then when you get to that front row and you're now sitting in, you're strapped in, you're no longer thinking about what if and all of these are different scenarios. You're like, oh shit, here we go. So as soon as that ride starts, you're in this survival mode, if you like. Once the fight starts, the crowd, they're not even there. For me personally, the cornermen aren't there. I don't really listen to them at all. Can't hear them. It's just not there. I'm tunnel vision. It's just me and him in there. And it's only after the fight that I realized, bloody hell, you know, there's 20,000 people here. Do you notice the no. lights go from everyone to just you? The most closest part to what you're saying there is probably when 
the music goes off, Bruce Buffer's introducing you. Maybe he's introducing my opponent and then I'm sort of looking around thinking, taking it in. And then once it's on me, it's like, that's it, it's gone. You're back in that tunnel vision. So maybe you have little five second, 10 second clips where you're like, oh shit, I'm on, everyone's here watching <laughs> me. Yeah. You know, these lights are on me. That's a bright light, you know, or something yeah. like that. And then it's like, right, forget that. We're in fight Here we are, yeah. Do, you, yeah. Do, you, do you think about the face you're going to pull when the camera goes on? You'd be like, <laughs> I hate it, right? So when, when the camera is on me, I try and just focus on my opponent because I feel so... I look at the camera, I'm like, I need to do something. <laughs> I need to like do some sort of strut or, yeah, like start emceeing or something, you know? Because the cameras get close. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when someone's got a camera right mm. in your face, you're like, what do you want me to say? You know, so I'm like, just look at my opponent, ignore the camera. Even when Bruce Buffer's right in my face, you know, my opponent like sort of screamed with him. Yeah. I find it so cringe, yeah. right? So when Bruce Buffer's there, I don't even look him in the eye. I'm just like, <laughs> this is really awkward. So I just focus on my opponent the whole time. And then after I feel like, oh, Bruce, can we go have a chat now? Mm. But, you know, I try to just ignore him because it's just, I don't want to, if I look at him, I'm like, this is weird, man. Like, he's right here in my face. It's like, is he going to kiss me? Or, <laughs> you know, it's, it's weird. So, yeah, it's even now this day, you know, I've, I've had 30 fights now, I think. And still, I'm like, still learning. I'm still learning how to deal with things when I'm in there. One of the things that I find fascinating is that you can do all the warm up. You're doing what you need to do to get in, uh, to get blood moving. You get to the cage, and especially when you watch something like Francis Ngannou versus Tyson Fury, the amount of time you just sort of stand there waiting for the lights to go down, the cameras to fuck off, Bruce Buffer to get the fuck out of the cage, and you can do what you're there to do. Learning that process of being like, okay, navigating all that stuff and staying focused on the target yeah. must be kind of the, quite the hard. The longer it is, the harder it is. So yeah. when I used to fight as main event on Cage Warriors when I was the champ, it was horrible, man. You know, waiting. So say I get to the venue, we had to get to the venue from the beginning. So let's say 5 p.m. I'm not fighting to 11. Let's say four and a half hours before I even start warming up where I'm just sitting there like, Gosh, what am I doing? And I can hear the crowd. And if yeah. I go out just to say hello to a couple of people, whatnot, you just look at people and someone might be getting knocked out in the cage. And you're like, what am I doing, man? So for me, when they say, people say, oh, no, fan, why are you like second fight on the card? I'm like, I don't know, but I don't care. Like, I love it. You know, get to the venue, warm up, half an hour, go. You know, get your hands wrapped, let's go. To me, that's easier. The quicker we get on and, and done, the better it is for me. The longer we wait, the, the harder it is emotionally. What is that switch like for you? Because you're such a nice guy, such a down-to-earth guy. To get backstage at an event, to warm up for a fight, where you're going in to really hurt someone, how hard is that to make the switch to, from, from calm to killer? I'm never calm backstage. I have to get angry. I have to think that this opponent... I think a dark sinister thinks, you know what I mean? I have to think like this guy is trying to kill my family, whatever, because otherwise I can't fight how I, sh I should fight. I don't want to go in there relaxed, which is why I get Brad to slap the shit out of me before I go in. You know, I need to go in there and fight off, in a way, emotions. It's controlled aggression, but I need to go in there thinking I need to put this guy out to perform at my best. And as I said, that whole week was bad and it was like, I kind of kept saying to my dad before, even before the weight cut, I was like, something's not right. You know, I feel great physically and I was healthy and, and whatnot, but I just didn't want to be there. You know, I didn't want to fight and I was having doubts in my head. Like, you know, I've taken this film five weeks. Do you think it makes a difference? And, you know, everyone's reassuring me, but I just wasn't switched on. And then obviously I think the, the fouls, the kicks in the dick and then the crowd booing you. It's just all like, you know, part of me felt, you know what? I'm done with this. You lot keep booing. I'm off. I'm going. So was there any moments in the fight where you kind of lost focus and you kind of 
The whole fight. The whole fight. The you whole wasn't fight. In. Yeah, and then the last sort of two minutes when I knew I sort of had him, I just kind of was thinking, don't get caught in the process of trying to catch him, and then he run out, run out of time. You know, for me, I think I'd be better at five rounders. You know, fitness wise, I could have gone on all day. I'm not happy with the the result. You know, we've my, my team has put in a review to have it looked at and see if we can get it overturned, and then hopefully I can get a rematch. Mm. Whether they do or don't, I don't really know, but. You know, I'm kind of more disappointed in myself because I didn't perform how I should have. And I kind of knew that the week. I just knew something wasn't right. And then obviously in that first 10 seconds of the second round when he kicked me in the nuts and then the crowd were booing me, I honestly just felt like saying, there's my gloves, fuck off. Yeah. You know, I felt like saying, I've had enough of you lot. I'm, I'm going out. <laughs> yeah. But you can't do that. <laughs> no. So then, you know, I'm fighting off emotion. I'm getting, which is bad on my part. You know, I'm telling the crowd, oh, you know, yeah. get lost, whatever so tricky and you, you're going off emotions as well so you know i know it's easy for people to say don't get emotional and just fight but it's hard but like when i go into the fight i don't want to hurt no one at the end of the day i'm a i'm an athlete and this is competition this is what i call play fighting but obviously to perform at my best i need to knock people out i need to submit them i need to win you know i need to hurt them i need to like if i can throw elbows and cut them open make it as nasty as possible for them i need to be as aggressive as i can for me to do that i need to kind of convince myself and that you know this guy's trying to hurt me so it's like you guys you know you might someone come in now and said do any of you want to fight but like no if someone come in and just slapped you across the face and said your mum's this (laughs) no i guarantee you all of you be like right outside you know you're ready to go that's how i that's how i thrive in there i think so obviously you you mentioned that you're outside of fighting as well you start a few businesses but you've also started the prospect apparel you tell us a little bit how that started and what that means to you and where you hope to get that if people don't know what prospect means, you know, it's someone that's going to achieve things in, in what they're doing. So that could be business, that could be, it doesn't have to be an athlete. But I wanted to create something with the story behind being that these are for the prospects. You know, this is prospect apparel. This is going to be for the kids that are going to achieve things in whatever they're doing. Um, and that's the same thing with Prospect Academy. I, I like to think that this is an academy for prospects. You know, if you want to be good at judo, jiu-jitsu, whatever, we've got it all on there. So a lot of UFC fighters now I think are doing the tutorial side of things. They're charging a lot for it. I think that's 70 quid, 80 quid. And to me, it's a bit of a gimmick. You know, you're just going to get a couple of your fans, buy it, make a quick buck and go. Which is why I've priced it at 4.99 because I want it to be like, stay with us. Some people probably don't have gyms around the corner or they're too shy. Maybe you're too intimidated. Look at me for. Like, yeah. I, would, I was intimidated when I first went to the gym. So it's my idea of saying, you can now train with us, you can talk to us, you know, they can come on the forums with us and literally chat to me, Brad, Ash, anyone they want and ask questions. Give you a bit of confidence, you know. Uh, if you want to check out the Prospect Academy or any of the Prospect Power, all the links down below, guys, as well. Mm-hmm.